Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. All of you relax. This is a matter of inconvenient timing, that's all. I ought to kill you right now. Not a very private place for a murder. Well, I'm all broken up about that man's rights. What do you want to discuss now? My favorite color? That's classified. It's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Hey everyone, Luke Bensey here, and welcome to another episode of the Global Security Consultant Podcast. It is March 2021, and I just returned from Washington, D.C., where my colleagues and I hosted our first live training course in roughly 13 months. Uh, we were training members of the U.S. government on the Carver Target Analysis and Vulnerability Assessment Methodology for three days at the Keybridge Marriott, uh, which is located just across the Potomac River, uh, excuse me, River from the famous neighborhood of Georgetown. Now, uh, this was very interesting to say the least, as my consulting firm, Security Management International, we've been accustomed to conducting live training courses on nearly a monthly basis for over the past decade. So the shutdown was obviously, it was obviously due to the pandemic, but it was a bit of an eye-opener to see just how different it was conducting uh, business in the nation's capital as compared to the state uh, in which I've been living for the past two years, which is Florida. Now, let me say up front, I don't intend for this to be a political debate on the decisions of some states to be more open than others, nor do I want to discount the severity of COVID-19 or be disrespectful to any families that have lost loved ones due to the virus. Um, Rather, I simply want to make this podcast an observation on the opportunities currently available to restart your security business, which hopefully means the entire global economy will be <laughs> revived again soon. Um, so here we go. Uh, for starters, uh, let, let's talk about Florida. Florida was famously one of the first states, if not the first state, to reopen for business. By this, I mean it allowed restaurants to reopen in full capacity, uh, you know, which obviously was done in phases. Uh, it allowed for places like Disney to reopen, the beaches to reopen, and probably most importantly, schools to reopen. Uh, our governor here uh, is Ron DeSantis, and he initially faced a lot of criticism for his decision to open things up. Uh, he was called reckless by the media. Uh, you know, other people said that his decision to 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 be so open was political suicide. Um, but he readily encouraged people to get back to work rather than, you know, just those people who were deemed uh, essential personnel. That was a big debate uh, by a lot of folks. In fact, it was, you know, to DeSantis's credit, he was quoting as, as stating, you know, who am I to say whose job is deemed essential? That's up to each individual family. And in my opinion, I, I had to agree with that. You know, every family's need for income is, is certainly different. And when you're self-employed, like my wife and I are, small stimulus checks aren't nearly as important as, you know, your personal savings when it comes to staying afloat for an entire year. Uh, so if anything, I think this is that this pandemic taught us about the need to keep a rainy day fund uh, that we can sustain, uh, you know, the basic necessities of of, of just doing the, the most common things, I mean, paying the mortgage, keeping the lights on, maintaining food on the table. Uh, it also demonstrated the need to move our businesses online. 
Um, you know, and, and definitely those people who could operate virtually, they had the advantage uh, during, during COVID. Um, so anyway, let me go back to my experience traveling up to DC. Uh, you know, so after spending the past year in Sarasota, the first thing I noticed when I landed at Reagan National Airport was the lack of, of people. Uh, now, I had lived in the D.C. area for over 20 years uh, before moving back down to Florida, which I did right before uh, COVID hit. And I got to tell you, I've never seen the airport or the roads so empty. Uh, in fact, I used to drive uh, I-66 when I lived in D.C., uh, which is, is such a crowded road that it, it, it had to become an HOV road, meaning you couldn't have less than two people in, in the car. Uh, and then even when that didn't work, they put in very expensive tolls. I think it became the most expensive toll road in the United States. It was about $74 to go commute just a few miles into uh, the District of Columbia every day from, from Virginia or Maryland. Um, so they were doing anything to, to minimize traffic on this road. And when I was up there driving, they had removed the HOV restrictions, and it was just like driving on a country road. I mean, I, I was all alone on it. In fact, it's it's funny. The first evening I got to D.C., uh, I, I went over to a friend's house for dinner, and then and then afterwards I drove down Pennsylvania Avenue. So I drove from the White House to the Capitol, and I kid you not, I was the only car on the entire street on Pennsylvania Pennsylvania Avenue in either direction. I mean, it was eerie. Uh, it was like something out of a, a zombie apocalypse movie. Um, you know, it, and I honestly thought at one point that, oh my gosh, is Pennsylvania Avenue closed? And I maybe missed a, a road close sign and, and drove on it. And I was going to get arrested uh, for, for doing so. Uh, and then I drove down by uh, the basketball arena uh, downtown, which is usually always jumping at, at all hours. And I would say 80% of the restaurants in that area, uh, were, were they were all closed. So it, it was pretty shocking, uh, to, to say the least. Um, now, when I was up there, I, I did have a few nice dinners. I uh, actually went to to Georgetown a couple nights when I was up there to eat, and and they were they were being very responsible in in, in the restaurants that were open. There was uh, you know half capacity, and and they had put up dividers and, and were very good about uh, utensils and everything there. So a lot of credit uh, for for the restaurants in Georgetown that stayed open. But you know, on St. Patrick's Day up there. Uh, two of the students in our class said they had gone out to a very popular Irish bar and they were the only people at 9 p.m. on uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, in this in this uh, Irish bar. So so definitely uh, very different than Florida. I mean, it was almost bleak, uh, you know, in, in contrast. Uh, interesting, you know, the Wall Street Journal ran an article last week commenting that Florida, despite its decision to open everything up, uh, had a 20% a less COVID cases than New York and 30% less cases than California, two states that have been under some of the strictest lockdown rules. Uh, you know, so, so I don't know who's to say, you know, who's right or wrong with, with those decisions. But, you know, the, the point is, really the point I want to emphasize is that it can seem disheartening uh, and that we're in this, this tunnel waiting to see the the light uh, at the end of it. And, you know, I want to go on record as saying that despite the restrictions from state to state or even country to country for that matter, the security consulting business is nonetheless open. Uh, it, it, we are open for business in our industry, uh, but it's only open if you embrace your options. 
Now, I'm not talking about breaking any rules or being irresponsible or inconsiderate to others, anything like that. Not at all. You know, I'm 100% for wearing masks, maintaining social distancing as best as possible, uh, and getting va- and getting vaccinated, certainly. Uh, and for those people who are at more at risk, based upon, you know, their age or pre-existing conditions, you should obviously be the most careful. But right now, for those who are healthy and smart about their precautions, you can still train, you can still travel, and you can still make money. You just have to be creative and resourceful. So, for example, as I mentioned before, we held our course at the Keybridge Marriott. Now, this is a very popular hotel in the D.C. area. Uh, it's got a beautiful glass top floor with, you know, 360 degree views of the D.C. area, the monuments, the river, the landmarks, etc. cetera. Um, our instructors, a few of the students, uh, and, you know, and, and at least for one night, we had the Villanova of a basketball team. Uh, but besides us, the instructors, the uh, the students in the course and this Villanova basketball team, we were the only customers in this entire hotel. I think they were operating on a, on a skeleton crew. Uh, but actually, I got I got to be honest, it was very nice. Uh, the the quietness of the, the, the hotel. I mean, none of the uh, room service or any of the amenities, breakfast or anything, none of that was available uh, to us. Uh, but it was nice to have the the space. Um, the other things, you know, in, in contrast, when we give our, our training courses previously, you know, we'll do them in small little breakout rooms, you know, particularly when we're talking about a course that maybe only has, you know, 12 students and and four instructors or anything like that. But for this particular course, because of the available space, we had the entire ballroom, uh, to, to ourselves, which was really nice. So every student had their own table. Uh, so we were spaced out even more than, than six feet apart, um, we had the use of all the, the audio visual, uh, equipment, uh, you know, and, and, and speaking of, of, of which, you know, I mean, if any of you out there have had to negotiate with hotels before, uh, for, for doing training courses or even scheduling events, you know, that hotels love to charge you for, you know, Wi-Fi, parking, the use of audio visual, uh, you know, cleaning fees, all the stuff that you would expect to be free, but of course, the hotels, they try to nickel and dime you for anyway. Um, so for us, what probably would have cost three to four times the price during non-pandemic times, uh, we were able to do on a very reasonable budget, which actually improved our, our uh, profit margin uh, on this, which, which got me thinking, you know, why don't we do more of these courses and, and, and include other courses with them as well? This is a great opportunity. Um, you know, this really is, I mean, if you think about it, there's a huge opportunity for people to, to come to live training. People are ready to get out of their homes they're ready to get back to life. Um, you know, and, and in fact, for our training, most of the students in the course were special agents with the government. So they were able to get their, their vaccines a lot earlier. Uh, so most of the people in the course even, uh, had already been vaccinated, which made it an even, um, safer training environment for, for all of us. Uh, so again, the point I'm trying to emphasize is that even in a still relatively locked down city, such as Washington, DC, or in this case, it was technically Northern Virginia, uh, there's still an opportunity to train students in a very nice, spacious and safe environment. Plus, when you consider the discounts afforded by the hotels and restaurants who are begging for customers right now, you can achieve even higher profit margins. 
But again, you have to make this happen. You need to find out if there is interest from prospective students. You need to market to these students online. You need to assure them that you're going to provide a safe training environment. Then you need to go and you need to do your negotiations with hotels for space and negotiate with restaurants for catering your breakfast and lunch for the students. Uh, and then you have to go ahead and del deliver a quality training course. This is how the economy is going to move forward. Uh, and this is how you're going to get your consulting practice back off the ground. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm talking about training here, but it doesn't necessarily have to be training. I mean, you can do this for other aspects of your security practice. You know, whether you're, you're a product installation type uh, company, uh, whether you do on-site organizational consulting, whether you do vulnerability assessments, whatever it is that you do, as long as you're responsible, practical, and just use good old-fashioned common sense, your business should be back up and running in no time. Uh, in fact, those security professionals who embrace this concept of making it happen will not only be the ones who are back in business quickers, uh, but they're also going to be the ones who are, are thriving in business. I, I like to say, forget about the light at the end of the tunnel. We are out of the tunnel. We are back to work. We are just doing so under a new set of rules. That's it. You know, it's time to embrace what's possible. Understand that we're not going back to the way things were. And, and that with every new day, we as business owners, we are the ones who will be rewriting the way that the security industry goes back about business. So the question is, are you going to be in front of this change or still waiting at home for someone to tell you that it's finally okay to get back to work? If that's, if that's the case, you may find yourself waiting indefinitely. I'm Luke Bensey for the Global Security Consultant Podcast. Stay safe and vigilant.